This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Manon Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? Very w- good indeed. How was your weekend? It was good. So I discovered a new book um, called Red Thread on Mazes and Labyrinths by Charlotte Higgins, which I've been reading and it really I absolutely love it it was uh, recommended uh, by our colleague Martin and yeah fantastic book if anybody is uh, wanting to read something new and has an interest in things like labyrinths I shall look that up who are we introducing today today it is my absolute uh, great pleasure to introduce Greg Brimmer Greg has been um I think fundamental to the success of our local tertiary space here in the Eastern Bay of Plenty. Um, he, uh, his role has been the regional development manager for the Fakatani campus uh, and he has been 14 years um, working for what was Waiariki and now into Toyo Homai and he's just told me he's about to retire and so what a perfect time to talk to you Greg um, and really just to say hey thanks for everything um yeah welcome thanks for sharing with us not a problem no it's uh, quite a privilege actually to have such a role and to be able to make some differences in a community that um, has struggled in the past yeah how was your bubble life greg my bubble life, um, it's been quite good actually. It's um, During COVID we managed to get quite a lot of the interior of our house repainted and uh, a lot of walks and a lot of um, mountain bike rides, which I didn't go out into the forest, truly officer. Uh, and I lost weight, which was really good, but I've all put it all back on since. But uh, that's one of those things. But it was great the way that everybody um, dived in the technology challenge of running programs from their home. I'm interested in the getting the house painted during the lockdown because that was my plan and it didn't happen. It still hasn't oh, happened. No, well, <laughs> well, I heard that we were going to go into lockdown and we had... Um, I think it was 48 hours. And so I said to my wife, go into Mitre 10 or Bunnings and get the paint that we need, the colour that you want, so that during lockdown we can do it. And I'll get the brushes and the rollers and everything like that. And um, 
so she did. She got in seven o'clock one morning before the queue appeared and got all that we needed, came home with it, and then when we went into lockdown, we were all set. It was um, it was very fortuitous. And so room by room, we've got a four-bedroom house, and um, so we did all the bedrooms, uh, two hallways, uh, all the ceilings. So it turned out very nice, and a bit of a clean-out while we were doing it as well. So it was just, you know, a couple of hours here doing this, a couple of hours there doing that, and doing some work in between. See, I'm justifying my interpretation of the be kind message as being kind to yourself. So I didn't get it done, but I'm being kind to myself and it doesn't matter. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. You know, it, um, it all depends on your own state of well-being, actually, I think. So you were working during the lockdown? Um, yes. Yes, keeping an eye on the staff. Um, one of the main things I was keeping an eye on was for stress, um, for tension, uh, for staff not coping. Um, yeah, it, it was quite difficult for some of them, uh, particularly with younger families, uh, not knowing what was going on or being stuck in the house all day, every day. Uh, with young children, which normally they weren't. So um, it was a matter of just, I think, listening to what people weren't saying um, when you were talking over the over the web. And so um, I managed to arrange some meals to be sent out to them so that uh, it was a little bit of a treat. Um, yeah, and we had online concerts. <laughs> which was quite cool, um, uh, online five o'clock sessions as it was. So, yeah, it was just to um, make it a little bit more um, break up from what it was and just give them some, um, oh, what we say, uh, some socialisation. I like that listening to what people weren't saying that's a that's a nice yeah. take well it is it's um it's just one of the things i'm very aware of is you know what people do say and what they don't say and particularly when you're looking at um body position facial features or just even the sound you know, sometimes they wouldn't have the camera turned on so that you couldn't watch what they were doing, but you could hear what they were doing or hear what they were saying and some of the stress was coming through and how they were saying things. Let's go to something else that's not saying. Let's go to Sounds of Silence because that's a pretty good segue there, <laughs> don't you think? Why this one? Oh, yeah. Why this one? Um well, it's, there's a really cool one on YouTube. It's done by a heavy metal band, and I just love it. It is just so good, and the guy's voice um, that he does it with is so good. But there are several. There are a lot of different versions of it, and they're all 
oh, really good to listen to, and I love it. And it is that sound of silence that has a lot of meaning in it. I have that very one here. That's by Disturbed. Yeah, that's the one. That's pretty cool, that. Love the guy in his big hobnail boots and piercings and punk hairdo. It's just awesome. i 
So, Greg, what does the regional development manager do? Um, regional development manager. He listens out to various people, um, particularly when you go along to BA5s and you've got a lot of um, industry people there or business people, and they're talking about um, op um, opportunities that are around town which could be taken up or um, business that require more training. Um, it's taking note of what the government is doing within the area, such as the PGF funding when that came about. It was then going to the likes of um, John, and I just forget his other name at the moment, it's gone right out of my head, um, who had his finger on a lot of the pulses and what training was needed for people to be involved to make those PGF projects work, um, such as a lot of truck drivers are needed at the moment. And there's... And that's one of the um, big areas which is very hard to get um, people interested in becoming a truck driver. Uh, and they're needed um, for all sorts of industries there. Uh, there's a building, the manufacturing um, industry, trying to get engineering um, programs running. Um, but starting also at the basics with foundation programs for getting people to be able to read and write and be um, numerical literate. Um, and then to get the hands-on experience so that when they actually do apply for the roles, they can, with confidence, say that they do have some experience in being able to handle equipment, tools, be able to read plans, follow instructions, um, be able to turn up on time. That's another big issue in the area. Um, and to be drug free. You know, it's um, one of the, I suppose, byproducts of not, not a lot of work being in the area. The youth have. Um, fallen aside and fallen into the clutches of drugs and alcohol just to pass their time. You know, and it's to break those cycles, break those habits, um, and to be able to look after themselves and get on and become um, uh, a worthwhile member in the community rather than just a burden on community. So it's, it's regional development through education and, and it seems like that take on regional development is as, as as much community development as it might be economic? Yes, yeah, it does. Um, particularly if you can get the people off the unemployment benefit and into employment, uh, that's how the communities are going to improve over time and um, while people are sitting around doing nothing at home they're just going to be wasting whatever money they get in there well, well let me rephrase that 
there are a number of people that would waste that money on drugs and alcohol. Um, and there are a lot of families that are struggling out there. And if we can help those families that are struggling by giving them um, an education and becoming employable, um, that is far more beneficial for the community than to have them um, still wanting handouts from the government. Okay, they may need a hand for a while while they're employed um, in the several different ways that they can um, get extra funding um, for the first six months at least in employment. And hopefully by then they will have um, enough of an idea of how to budget, how to make ends meet and to further themselves with either further education or to be able to climb up um, the ladder in the place that they work from you know, just being a labourer to taking on roles in their management of supervisors. Now a big part of it, where our campus is, we are in um, what is well known as Black Power Territory in Wakatani. And when I first arrived there, um, we did have a lot of issue with vandalism, burglaries, graffiti, <sighs> violence from the from the youths coming onto the campus because no, but somebody wasn't wearing the right colours, um, and having the police in our street at least three days, three times a day, to whereas now um, there is no vandalism. There is no graffiti. Uh, we don't see the police on the streets around us. Um, the people are gainfully employed. You know, they've, they've gone through um, our programs, gone out, got jobs and making themselves worthwhile members of the community. Um, and that's all just taken by somebody or <laughs> person like myself, actually sitting down, giving them time to listen to them, to their needs, um, to how they've been dealt with by government agencies over the years, uh, how they get a funding for a health programme, and that runs along fine for six months and then it's cut off. And then another employability scheme for three months and it's cut off. Um, and previous management on our campus with not wanting to enrol those particular persons into programs. Um, and it was just coming to an understanding that um, from the gate inside our property was where anybody of any colour, race, creed, religion could come and study without fear of any intimidation. Um, and that has been well respected as well as respecting them as well, you know, for their needs, for what they do, and seeing the changes that they have made within themselves. Um, it's It's been a fantastic learning curve, both for myself and for others on our campus to see these changes. Mawira is writing a thesis about unconditional positive regard. It sounds like you're describing right. unconditional positive regard in, in your relationships here. Uh, exactly. It's what it is. You don't 
you know, at one time I would never have um, even thought about including, you know, being involved with gang members and all and that. But now, um, you know, I've seen what they go through and their lives, and that it is. It's you've got to disregard everything that's gone before and what they stand for or do or are involved in. It is to try and improve um, their outlooks on life and give them the opportunities to prove themselves that they are worthwhile members of the community. You know, it's, and when you really look at it, it is just a few that are bucking the hierarchies ideals, I suppose you could call it, of what the Black Power stands for in a Apotiki now, whereas they're trying to really clean up their act. Um, they definitely don't want to have anything to do with methamphetamine um, you know, and other drugs and to try and stop the violence and the um, petty crimes that they do. And it's, um, it's to get them employed, get them with um, skills that they can actually use to become worthwhile contributors to the community. And, you know, it doesn't matter how tattooed they are or what colours they are, it is, you know, gives them that opportunity, gives them that chance. When you're talking about listening to needs, that's part of a process yeah. of talking about the future. Is where do you that's see wrong. as the the sweet spot between something that's a future that's small and achievable, and a, a long term grander vision? Do, do those two things come together, or how, how do you how do you manage that? Um, yeah, well, it's you've got to start with small steps. You know, you can't just overnight change people or change attitudes. Um, you know, the first thing that we did um, with including these particular members on our campus was to um, take them to a marae where they learnt about themselves, um, learnt about their culture, learnt about or tried to learn about where they come from. Half of them have got no idea where they come from, um, and a great number of them them have no idea who their parents are and so it's to teach them those everyday skills of getting out of bed making bed getting a shower you know doing the washing making breakfast um, just cleaning a place up and a little bit of their cultural awareness so when they come to us we can deal with the literacy and numeracy to start off with to give them those skills so then they can go into the likes of construction or carpentry, into the automotive industry, um, into business administration for the girls, or um, hairdressing, um, beauty and makeup. And a lot of people, there are a number of people who don't see the hair or the beauty and makeup as worthwhile programs for them but it's giving them the confidence in themselves that they look good. And with the hairdressing, 
it gives them the skills then that they can look after their own family. They're not having to go into a hairdresser's. Um, and it gives them also a skill where they can take it anywhere and, and do it. So if they've got a pair of scissors and a comb, um, you know, some have even travelled and sat on the sides of the streets in India and done haircuts. Um, side of the street in the USA and done haircuts. Uh, in Nepal and done haircuts. In the middle of London and done haircuts. And then come back and are absolutely astounded with what they've been able to do with just doing a program on how to cut hair. So it's not, you know, one of those, um, oh, yeah, we'll just do this for the girl's own, you know, needs. It's It gives them that skill that they can use, you know, just like a mechanic. He can go anywhere around the world. Well, I know, for an example, I've been, I've travelled myself with my own skills. I'm an automotive technician by trade. And, you know, I've used those skills everywhere that I've travelled to work, to gain an income, you know, so it's, it's helping people to help themselves. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokunui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha nui, kia koutou, kota wahau. I hope you're all having the best day, beautiful superstars, in your beloved universe. And I really hope wherever you are, whatever's happening around you, this journey will on to get proving to be very rewarding, very sustaining, and illuminating for you more and more each day. Who you are, the triumph of nature's art, perfect, unique, and here, making things better. Thank you. So I know that for all of us, we've been through so many shifts and changes over the last more than a year so we've been dealing with this global pandemic and I think for us as a species we're constantly looking for meaning and patterns and ways of understanding the world around us and what is taking place. I think we're also always longing for a sense of who we are, where we fit into this bigger picture and in this quest for a greater awareness of our own role and ability and gifts and unique ways of being, doing, seeing, feeling. We can go in so many different directions with this quest for knowledge and, and that innate curiosity that we all possess manifests and will manifest as diversely as we do. So I really hope that for you, over the last several months, you've had the opportunity to really follow your own curiosity and your own questioning when it comes forward. Of course, we live in a time now where, where we, around the world, a lot of us are so lucky that we have access to technology that enables us to learn more about the world, can very easily Google things, course, and look things up. And this has only been in the last several years that we've had this kind of technology. And it's brought so many changes about, of course, in our culture. I find it fascinating and I find it very enriching to be able to delve into all the different aspects of our our human story but also of course in my role at my beloved heart's home Orokunui Eco Sanctuary to be able to learn more and teach more about our precious native species and the living world itself. Of course this is only one way to feel that connection and to know that that connection is there and beyond quantifying and naming and observing of course there is just the ability to enjoy our shared present, our shared spaces, our shared being together 
and move from a sense of being separate and being different to being one and being the same and connect. I've really enjoyed hearing lots of stories over the last few days, catching up with lots of my dear friends and hearing about various other people's adventures and particularly hearing about our fascination with animals and with other life. And of course we are animals and as a species we are fascinated by other animals. We love connecting with them and watching them and obviously co-evolving with all life in an infinite web but having that opportunity to share space with them and care for them is a wonderful wonderful privilege. I of course am very lucky to have Poirot and Hastings the cats but I've been really enjoying hearing stories about all the various pets that people have had and the connections that they've had and then of course those encounters in, in wild space which I really enjoy at Otokunui having birds come come close to us and see us and observe us. So I really hope that for you whatever connections you're making and whatever space you're finding those connections in they're giving you a sense of your free and wild and real raw true nature that we are constantly observing and aware of the world around us and this is an innate curiosity and a innate an innate desire to adventure and evolve and learn more and I think this will always be with us and whatever is happening around us and whatever shifts and changes are there I think this is an important aspect for us to acknowledge and to celebrate and I'll look forward to talking to you again soon thanks so much Kakiti. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles. We are talking with Greg Brimmer. In the 14 years that you've been working in this space, have you seen a lot of changes? There has been. There's been a, a, um, a big emphasis on starting earlier, um, getting these high school students involved through the programme of Trades Academy and secondary tertiary partnerships with tertiary providers um, on gaining insights to what um, industries and jobs are like while they're still at school. And it's to give tasters while they're in year 11, uh, year 12, they come and work one day a week uh, for 30 weeks working in a program. And then in year 13, it's two days a week, which gives them the equivalence of um, their first year or first 18 months of a cadetship or an apprenticeship so that they can go into industry and they are earning money when they start for the employer rather than the employer having to take that time to train them up. Um, this is a scheme I, I fully um, endorse and I'm glad that I was part of it right at the um, pilot program on at the Pokotani campus, uh, thanks to Peter Tutel and Rosemary Johnson, um, looking at getting that through the government into our region. Um, and it's grown from the six schools of the Wakatani region now to 36 schools in the Bay of Plenty area. And so, and overall, we have around about 800 students a week that are partaking in that training while they're still at school, while it's free for them, and they can come out with experience that will get them into a job. Um, and I can see that moving on where um, second chance learners, people wanting to change roles, 
or the likes of the mill closing down and 160 workers out if they find other jobs where we can go in and help with the training while they're in employment you know whether they come for a um, a block course on our campus or we go and do a day's work with alongside them or in a um, an office provided by the employer or even in the smoko room provided by the employer where we can help them to reintegrate into another um, career because uh, we've got to look at the way that um, technology and industries change these days uh, how quickly some of them change that when you leave school the job that you train up for is not the job that you're going to be doing when you're 40 and not the job you're going to be doing when you're 60. Um, those days I think of being in one job all your life are very few very far between um, even myself you know I've retrained from being an automotive technician to a secondary teacher to uh, adult tutor into a management role so it's not going to be that much different for others to have those changes along their lifetime um, and even with the technology that's going within the industries um, automotive you know there's a lot of diagnostics now and very little actually hands-on fixing um, the building industry is a lot of um, battery-powered equipment now the days of leads going to source and all of that are gone so that all these battery-powered tools are out there and you can have a solar charger charging up your other batteries while you're doing it um, you've got factories that producing um, houses that just need to be stood up on a basement and they can be moved into within seven days um, that is going to happen within the next 10 years it's happening now but within the next 10 we'll see more of that um, farming where the cows go into the milking shed by themselves you know they know when they want to be milked they go in they get milk and they come out um, so many different things that are happening um, even just watching country calendar tonight with the um, grape harvest they've got a machine that just goes around and everybody's grapes are ready at a certain date and this machine just turns up on the door operated by a contractor he goes and picks your grapes and he goes on to the next vineyard no there's going to be a lot more cooperative work like that done in our time so it's giving the skills to these young people that change is going to happen no matter what they're going to do and to be prepared for change and even for our not so young ones as well i was talking to a friend of mine who's a supervisor at the mill um, over in kawaro and he was telling me about a 75 year old man who came to him and asked for a reference and he said what do you want a reference for you can retire now he said if i stop working i'll die he just couldn't, couldn't <laughs> absolutely couldn't abide the idea of not being able to go to work so he was looking for a new job at 75. that's right and there are going to there are people out there like that um and 
I can relate to that very well because I'm intending on retiring in a couple of weeks' time. But I already have projects and um, projects in place and activities that I'm going to be doing when I retire. So I'm not going to be suddenly one day sitting in an office and the next day sitting in my armchair going, what the heck do I do now? Um, I've planned for it. And I think more people need that planning too. You know, and it's just thinking about it just now, there might be a little sideline for a, um, a retired person to do that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. It's been quite... wearing. <laughs> thinking about um, thinking about planning and thinking about imagination and I see f from my perspective looking at our kids these days they don't seem to naturally be thinking themselves into a future and that concerns me is that something you've observed as well yeah yeah I've got two grandsons um, and that worries me they're not thinking about what they're going to be doing in their future. Um, they don't even know what they're going to be doing next year. Yeah. So that that is a concern. Um, and I don't know how we can really address it either because it's the way I think today's population, like everything delivered to them on a plate, uh, for them to go and do, it's, they still need to get out there and go and try things for themselves. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we've become too socialised, whereas it's it's okay to go and have a good time, but not think about um, how we're going to socialise, how we're going to afford to socialise. You know, what do we do in between socialising? Um, even a friend the other day was saying, oh, he can't get his son off a computer. And then, lo and behold, on the news, here's a gamer that's retired at the age of 21 with $80 million in the bank. You know, um, so gaming is a huge industry that's going on out there. But what scares me about that is people don't socialise. They're sitting attached to their screens, and all they know is the ether world. They don't know the real world. They don't get out and feel the grass beneath their feet, so to speak. Um, and that's that worries me about my grandsons, you know, not wanting to come out uh, mountain biking with me or even trying to get them to learn to drive a car. Mm. You know, they haven't ridden bikes, so they don't know what the road rules. Um, yeah, it is a worry. And I... I really don't know how we're going to break that cycle because I think a lot of it now is online and that's how they think that they're going to be fed all the information that they need. Um, you still need to get out into the real world and see what it is out there and what you've got to do. Mm. Yeah. And unfortunately... Um, in today's environment also with um, the lack of skilled workers, the incentives that some people are getting to go and work um, 
I think that will filter down to apprentices and trainees and cadets um, and it will become the norm and I would really hate to see that happen mm. but it's what it is. excited by what I hear coming out of Rotorua, these um, pathway plans uh, for for the kids. I think it's going to be from year nine. That, yeah. But I, I really love that idea, but I think we need to start it from like year one. <laughs> you know, start those conversations with the little kids. What do you want to do when you get big? Thinking, getting them to start thinking themselves into a future and having that conversation all the way through. Um, year one, it's possibly not asking them what they want to do, but it's to start um, exposing them to different ways of working that they are possibly going to go to in the future. Mm. Um, 
I think year ones is probably a little bit difficult to try and get them targeted to their abilities to a role. Um, because by the time they leave school in another, you know, 10, 12 years, things might be quite a lot different. Um, but it's for, the it's the teaching them to think about that though, isn't it? It's, that's the skill that yeah. they're missing once they get to high school. So what they want to do when they're five will change, but it's teaching them to think like that or continue. Because I think they do think like that when they're, when they're really little. They probably do. Um, probably looking towards what their parents are doing or their friends' parents um, and seeing just what they bring home or what they contribute to society or contribute to um, community. Um, yeah, I think there is the need for awareness there, but then it comes to, I think, um, year six, seven, eight, because I know with the little trial that we did with um, um, Tanya Tua, um, year sevens and eights, uh, was really quite an eye because Some of them had no idea of these different um, types of jobs that were out there, or even some, there are jobs out there. Um, yeah, and it, it was quite exciting to see some of the lights being turned on um, and the imagination that they were going through. Um, and not only sort of the, the gender roles, which you would normally think, you know, there were girls there that were picking up um, components of the car engines that and then guys doing um, fingernails, uh, you know, it was quite different and they were quite excited with um, being able to try these different things. Um, and it's, <laughs> dare I say, it, it's bring a child to work day type things should be encouraged again, I think. I was to... thinking this. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Take a child to, to work with you and, and yes. just show what you do. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it wouldn't be anything new for our staff on the campus because we're quite, you know, I've created the campus as a farmhouse centre and, you know, if your kid's crook, your kid's crook and you, they can come along and um, be nurtured by the rest of the class and, you know, we do have young mums or yeah, young mums that have a baby but they've got nobody else to care for it and it becomes a classroom baby. It's handed around or actually it becomes a campus baby. I don't know how many times I've ended up with a pram in my office or somebody on my knee and <laughs> yeah so no it's um, I think making children aware that there's a huge range of options out there for them yeah mm. and get them you know to reading newspapers um, to watching the news seeing what has happened um, listening to the what the government is providing or doing around the country you know whether they agree with it or not to start getting an opinion or a view on it of what they're coming into um yeah and some of them you know are going to become pretty good politicians in the future as well as long as they don't get corrupted along the way <laughs> but, yeah greg we've seen lots of change in society over the last year or so what do you think is going to stick and what do you hope will stick hmm well i i definitely hope um, that people will start really caring about one another in their communities um it's it started 
with COVID, with taking care of what's going on in their communities and taking a little bit more ownership in their communities. Um, what's going to go forward? Um, I would like to see people caring more about other people and a lot less violence around. Um, let's not put up with the people that think that they can just um, abuse the powers of the law um, and also to use their own voice to raise their concerns to our community council, to the local MPs, to the government. I have some questions mm. to end the show with and almost negative time to get through them, so we shall have to be quick. What is the biggest success you've had in the last year or so? Oh, gosh. Um, biggest, biggest success. Uh, biggest success is one of our staff members that came on as a young mum through Trades Academy. Um, I saw the potential in this young lady of becoming a very valuable staff member, um, not as a teacher, but as um, administrator and as a person that I could lead into my role in the future. And the way that that young lady has stepped up now and become a very formidable person within our community um, and building new businesses for our organisation. Um, I'm really proud of that fact, yeah. So we're writing a book of these conversations. It's called Tomorrow's Heroes. It's our team of people doing good work. So you're in that book. What is your superpower? My superpower? Being able to listen to people and be able to guide them into a direction of the talents that they have, um, to waken their ideas and to show the abilities that they have and to give them confidence and let them show what they can do. I like to be able to think that I can lead to succession planning amongst our staff. I like people to think about their future and bringing other people with them. Um, as I say, it's, as a leader walks alongside his people, and that's that's the way I see myself. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? No. No. What What motivates I, you? I like it. Sorry. What motivates you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? Oh my! Just the love of what I do. I've been <laughs> with the people, seeing what I can achieve. Um, and also my commute, because I live in Rotorua and work in Wakatani. It's driving by those, um, the three lakes in the morning, Rotoriti, Rotoehu, Rotoma, and just the colours, the, the sun rises on them, the mist rising from them. Um, it just sets the tone of my day, and um, I just love what I'm doing. And what's the biggest challenge you're looking forward to in the next year or two? <laughs> <laughs> keeping my wife sane. <laughs> and lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? If you've got something in your heart that you desire to do, go and do it. Life's too short. Go and do something you enjoy doing. Here, Thank here. You. Thank you for that. Mawira. Greg, um, I haven't got time for it. A lot to say, but... Um, thank you for all of your service to our community, for the contribution that you've made, for the lives that you've touched. Um, and we appreciate you so much. Uh, and, yeah, it has been a real 
pleasure uh, to get to sit at the same table as you many times and I wish you all the best for your retirement. Thank you and I wish you all the best in your studies and your doctorate and the work that you're going to do in the future because um, you're one of those people that is um, a cog in our community to help keep things going and advancing and every community needs them. You know, I just see myself as somebody that's behind the scenes there just gently pushing people in the way that they should be going. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure and, and I do, I enjoy um, working alongside people like yourself and seeing the visions that you have and other people's visions and watching them come to fruition. You know, for the time that since I've met you, you know, all I've seen is just your dedication to what you're doing and to growing and, um, you know, you've run into a few barriers along the way, but uh, you just work your way around them and on you go again. And yeah, that's what it is. You've got to keep, got to keep going. That's what it is. Thank you. Thank you very much. That. We're going out to Wellerman. We'll go to have the longest John's version. There once was a ship that put to sea, and the name of that ship was the Billy a T. The winds blew harder, bowed it down. Blow me, bully boys, blow. <laughs> Soon may the Wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. She had not been two weeks from shore, when down on her a right whale bore. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that whale in tow. Ha! Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. Before the boat had hit the water, the whale's tail came up and caught her. All hands to the side, harpooned and fought her when she dived down below. <laughs> Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done, we'll take our leave and go. No line was cut, no whale was freed. The captain's mind was not on greed, but he belonged to the whaleman's creed. She took that ship in tow. <laughs> Soon may the We've been listening to Blowing to Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We're broadcast on Otago Access Radio every Monday, Wednesday and Friday afternoons at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyer's Bay of Dunedin with Mawera Karatai in Fakatani and we've been joined by Greg Brimmer from Rotorua. That was Blowing Bubbles. We hope you enjoyed the show. To encourage the captain crew and all Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done we'll take our leave and go Soon may the wellerman come to bring us sugar and tea and rum. One day when the tonguing is done we'll take our leave and this podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air.